This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. It's Bill Bartholomew here with you for another edition of Rhode Island's Podcast of Record. Today, we welcome Rhode Island-based musician and author Nate Jones discussing his book, Permission to Create. And this is an interesting story of Nate Jones, who I met as a performer here in Rhode Island. He became a Grammy-balladed artist and has really built a career for himself um, based out of the Ocean State as a musician, doing a variety of different things, including a book entitled Permission to Create, which we discuss here today on the pod. So, you know, Nate Jones is somebody who, is he world famous? No, but he embodies to me um, the, the spirit and work ethic that we can embrace here in Rhode Island in terms of our creatives. And that really goes into somebody who is a part of that kind of part of the service industry, kind of part of the entertainment industry, kind of part of the creative sector. It's It really overlaps in a number of different areas that we want to grow and support. Um, I guess broadly speaking, the hospitality industry, right? Nate Jones embodies all of those things, all the different elements of I guess, our music industry here in the state of Rhode Island. So very excited to have him here on the pod, a true pleasure. And hopefully you enjoy the conversation and also go check out the book, Permission to Create. Those things, books, important still, no doubt about it. Um, remember, you can support the independent journalism, opinion, analysis, and entertainment that we do here on Bartholomew Town in a number of ways. Of course, you can share an episode. You can talk about the show. You can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or if you want to go a step further, you can contribute to the show in the following ways. Send me a one-time contribution, Venmo at Bill Bartholomew or paypal.me slash Bill Bartholomew. Or become a sustaining member for as little as $3 per month by visiting our Patreon account, patreon.com slash Bartholomewtown. That's patreon.com slash Bartholomewtown, where you'll be able to help support the bedrock of this show. Okay, without further ado, Rhode Island-based musician and author, Nate Jones. All right, so today we are, we've got someone who is one of the hardest working musicians in Rhode Island, and it's paid off in, in a lot of ways, you know, um, number one, through your your actual output and playing gigs and re- all over the region, but then also uh, in the form of Grammy balloting, which is pretty nuts. And now you've got a book coming out, Permission to Create. You know, Rhode Island is filled with so many musicians at, at different career levels, career paths, so on and so forth. And I was thinking about it. I was like, we haven't talked about that enough on this show. You know, we've had like Sage Francis and a couple of the guys from Deer Tick here and there, or like the Z Boys were on, Heather Rose and Clover, but we need to do some more music. And you're one of the first people I thought of because of everything you've got going on. And I'm really fascinated with any musician that goes in different directions to get their art out to the world, but then also to create income streams. And you've done just that. So welcome to B-Town, Nate Jones. Thank you, Bill. I'm very happy to be here. And I have to say, I'm likewise proud of you and everything you've accomplished with the podcast. I was just listening to your 300th episode the uh, <laughs> other day and just hearing you go through your journey. It, it reminded me a lot of my journey. Just, you know, we don't intend to do these things when we start out. We just have to start out in an earnest and straightforward and authentic way. And if we're we're preaching 
the truth and people are resonating with it, then the audience is just going to, it's going to naturally follow from, from what we're putting out. And I want to get into your specific story and the, the book itself and everything, but I, I'll start with this. There was a, a Facebook post. It was, you know, I should have tried. Actually, I shouldn't have because scrolling through a Facebook timeline is one of the, the worst things a person can do with their time. But you know, <laughs> there was a Facebook post I remember, it seems like several months ago now, maybe even six months ago, that you had posted something about um, seeking gig opportunities or basically getting back to work as a musician. It was right in the thick of COVID. Everything was shut down. There, it, it was extremely challenging to be a musician. It always is, but particularly during COVID. And someone had commented on your post, hey, man, you know, I, I know that, that playing music is, is fun and, you know, it's, it, it, it's important or whatever, and it may be your passion, but, you know, you, you should find a different job somewhere. You know, you should find another job. You know, so th- 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 this isn't a way to make a living. Uh, and your response was freaking awesome because it's a great way to make a living and it's one of the oldest businesses in the world. It's going to be here long after automation takes over most everything else. And if you diversify and you do things like original music and cover gigs and weddings and books and so on and so forth, you can do pretty well. Your response to your response. Yeah. Um, I know exactly what post you're talking about now. <laughs> and I know and I know exactly who that comment was by. And funny enough, it, that that person had actually, we used to play at an open mic together. Um, and and he, you know, also does pretty well for himself with music. But I think um, he has a full-time job as a social worker and like, which I totally admire. Um, for me, I just know that I'm at my best when I'm not trying to do my music as like this side project to a completely different life I have going on. Um, and you know, that may change one day where if I'm involved in a different passion project besides, you know, this book, um, because for, for me, the music is part of the book. Like then one day I can see myself doing it, uh, you know, less as I'm depending mainly on performing for my source of income. Um, but throughout this whole process, I've just been reminding myself, like exactly what you just said, people need music. It's not going away. And in fact, like it's going to be the most in demand thing when COVID, uh, you know, when this lockdown ends is that, cause that was several months back and it's like, there's no way you can predict how busy you're going to be and like say with confidence i'll always have a gig because you know things might genuinely change in ways we can't predict now the way the internet changed things but you made a great point just now computers and automation will never replace human artistry and the originality and the creativity and i think most importantly the voice like just just the power of hearing someone else's voice in a in a way that's comforting, reassuring, or, or entertaining musically, I think is like one of the most fundamental aspects of our sense of community together, right? Like just as, as human beings, even animals, like just the way birds listen to each other all day. It's like, it's just never going to go away. So that's an excellent point. And my response to anyone listening to this in the future who is out there. And obviously if you're uh, a fan of Bill's podcast, there's a good chance that you're into music yourself. You know, don't give up if it's something that you really believe in because 
you're going to get compensated, right? For in direct proportion to the amount of value that you provide to others. If on, if and only if you let other people know that you have this value that you're providing, like it's not going to happen if you're hiding your gifts, but if you're putting yourself out there, it is scary and you can get rejected and you can feel like the world's crumbling and your whole industry's falling apart and you know, you can get lost, but your guiding light is always going to be your own belief in the value of your gifts. And then when you believe and cultivate that belief, you naturally, you want to spend more time cultivating those gifts as, as you've done with your podcast, bringing out your authenticity and your ability to relate to people and convey information in a non-biased way. Like that's of huge value. And people have responded by supporting you because that's just what's naturally going to happen when you believe in your gifts and put that value out there in the world. Even a pandemic is not going to stop that train. I appreciate that. Um, you're a drummer, you're a songwriter, guitarist, you know, you, you perform in a lot of different environments. What's it like being a gigging musician in Rhode Island and or based in Rhode Island? Cause you, you play in Boston, wherever, you know, but what's it like being a gigging musician now, including the pandemic and kind of coming out of the pandemic? And then how did you begin your, your journey to become a full-time musician? Well, um, let's see a couple of years back. I was, it's actually, I just had my five year anniversary of my first show that I've ever played. Um, so that was cool. It was June 1st. And right around that time I was delivering beer and liquor, um, just working, a a job for like $14 an hour, like working out of the back of a delivery truck. Um, just because it was good money. And I was kind of like, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I had just graduated college and was applying for other jobs and I was selling insurance for a little while. The coolest job I had was I was an American Ninja warrior coach at a local gym. Wow. Um, yeah, that <laughs> was super fun. That was right around the time that I was Sick. in, in the band, uh, Neapolitan. Yep. Um, and we had played with silver teeth a few times. Neapolitan kind of, um, was a catalyst for me to want to understand the booking process more deeply and reach out to venues and, and realize that, you know, you're going to get paid in proportion to that value you provide and understanding how we could create original music, but entertain people and be authentic and original because we knew we weren't the best musicians. We hadn't been playing for long. It was, it was more that we were working together to create something cohesive. So I started to apply that to my own, um, you know, my own pursuits as an individual solo musician. Um, I figure that since it is work for me in that regard, I enjoy playing solo because then there's nothing else. There's no one else or other variables I have to worry about in terms of getting to the shows. I have a system where I leave myself enough time to get places I make sure I scope things out ahead of time. And I really try to cultivate relationships with the people who own uh, these restaurants and bars and venues wherever I'm playing, because the more you actually build friendship with people, they want to book you not just because they, they did lots of sales while you were there um, or because people stayed at their table, 
tables, which is like now they want people to leave their tables, which is like kind of it messes up the metrics of the business a lot. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It really does. So (laughs) I'm like, all right, the best thing I can do is not focus on anything else about who's buying drinks, how many individuals I brought, any of this. Just how many smiles did I create? How many people clapped? How many people were laughing and and having a great time? That's kind of like how I measure my success. So the full-time thing just kind of took off when I started realizing I met this guy by the name of Dave Long and he runs festive events out of Boston. And he kind of took me under his wing in a way to help me see the other side of the business of weddings and private events. And I was running karaoke sessions at a kid's camp that he had this like long time gig because his kids went to camp there. So I just kind of learned from all angles and was like, okay, DJing, you can make a a heck ton of money, but I don't really want to do that unless I'm just DJing like a portion of someone's event after playing music. I do that all the time, but I don't want to be strictly a DJ because it's, it's not about me playing recorded songs for other people. It's, even if I don't write the song, it's the live vibrations that heal people. Like, it's cool that we can do this conversation over Zoom and it's super convenient. And like, I'm already in a better mood just like talking to you. But it's really when we're in person together, that's what was so hard about the pandemic. Those vibrations just move through us and you're like, wow. So even a cover song, someone's original rendition of it is like a cultivation from their own emotion, their own spiritual essence to like bring forth that that perspective to you in the moment and you hear a lot more things in someone's voice the more music you listen to so there's a lot of nuance to like there's there's how many instruments in the world and none of them can replicate the human voice and everything it can do and i just i just find that to be awesome that's so fascinating and you know and rhode island is so well suited for a multi-tentacled, uh, tentacled. Yeah, that's the correct. All right. I'm, I'm trying to remember <laughs> my, my octopus slash squid lingo, um, operation as a musician where you can be a legitimate original artist. You can write songs, you can push them. You can go for song placements in movies or in television or commercials or whatever. At the same time, we've got this massive hospitality industry, weddings, restaurants, bars, and, Far too many people, especially on the original side, aren't willing to go to that, as you said, other side of the business, doing private events, weddings, so on and so forth. It may be a pride thing. It may be a lack of ambition thing, but that is how you do it. Or there are, of course, you could also have a huge hit song and be one of the one in 100,000 acts that end up touring nationally in huge arenas. But for the most part, you have to have a diverse portfolio And it's something that other industries should look to musicians for in terms of understanding. We hear a lot of complaining coming out of the pandemic. Oh, X, Y, and Z collapsed and I don't have income coming in anymore. But diversification and hustling in different zones is something that you've done really well. And it's allowed you to live this life as an original artist based in Rhode Island. Yeah. I mean, I think that you, you brought up a couple excellent points there. Um, the whole point I think of, of doing art, right. Is to step aside, um, from the egoic control perspective through which we live our lives for, 
for those of us familiar with neuroscience, like the default mode network, where your brain is just constantly running these programs based on everything you remember about yourself and your life. So when you step outside of that and remember that, oh, I'm creating art, I shouldn't be holding myself to these standards and saying, like you said, like people get prideful about like, oh, I'm an original artist only. Like I don't play other people's songs. Like, well, you played uh, the guitar that someone else made. Like you're, you're right. cool with that, right? Like, yeah, it's just so silly. It's it's like you wouldn't even know you wanted to play music if you hadn't heard music that other people wrote. And had in in like even if you don't cover your favorite artist songs, like you at least learned one song by someone else at some point, you know. And that might not apply to one hundred percent of every musician ever, but I think for the vast majority of us, it's just silly to to prevent ourselves from being able to have the time. Like people say, <laughs> this is what I love, right, Bill? Like people say, you should have like uh, a job that can make you enough money so that you don't have to worry about money. And then you can fully focus creatively on whatever it is you want to do in your spare time. And if that works for you, like fantastic. And you might be doing an essential job in society, like a construction worker or a teacher or something. And I, I applaud you because that's not the kind of life that I, I can see myself living. But when all I have to do to diversify and make that extra income is do the exact same thing, except play songs other people wrote instead of songs I wrote. That is so such an easy diversification that it's a no brainer. Like you don't even have to leave your industry to be making five, six, seven times what you can make uh, as an original artist, as a, and as a cover artist. And there are some places um, I'm playing out in Connecticut a couple weeks from now and they're taking care of me and it's going to be an original music set both nights, Thursday and Friday. Um, but it's going to be, I'll throw some covers in there for them since I know people like a song they can recognize, but my original music is something that I'm okay. Having that be like my sacred space. I don't have to be like on stages worldwide with people knowing my original songs to feel good about that music because I've played it in settings with real people. Doesn't matter. You, you might be able to impact 10,000 people at a concert, but at like a house show, you can impact 10 people deeply, like yes. in a very profound way, which is almost more impactful than reaching 10,000 people, like just on the surface or on some level, if that makes sense. It does. And you hear that. And at least I've heard that over the year. I mean, I have friends who have played, you know, the governor's ball or Bonnaroo or this, that, the other. And, but no one really knows who they are. So you're up there. That's the moment that people are going to get food or the bathroom or they're taking your brother kind of going, woo, but they're not engaged. Those same people come up to my loft and do a show with like 20, 30, 40 people in there. And they're like, this is it. This is the point to connect with people. And yeah, it's nice to get the payday from playing Bonnaroo, but it's the, what's the difference there? I mean, it, you arguably are, it's, it's similar to playing a wedding. You know, you you do those types sure. of events, you do your craft, you, you, whoever you reach, that's great. You're entertaining people. But at the end of the day, yeah, for an original artist, it's all about those intimate connections. Um, I want to get to the Grammys and to your book, but we're going to take a quick break right now. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast, Rhode Island's podcast of record. 
I'm Bill Bartholomew. We've got Nate Jones. We'll be right back. Be sure to give me a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Bill Bartholomew and join the Bartholomew Town Podcast Facebook group for a daily discussion on all things Rhode Island politics, media, arts, and culture, and much more. Hey, a great way that you can help support the Bartholomew Town Podcast is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. All right, let's talk about your Grammy balloting situation. That's freaking awesome. How did that Thanks, happen? Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, so the the long story short is that I got into contact with a guy by the name of Al Gomes. Um, he runs a music promotions uh, firm based out of Providence called Big Noise. Um, he actually was an elementary school classmate of my mom's. And he had came out to see Neapolitan perform at the WRIU um, Rock Hunt. I think it was, or the Rick radio rock hunt rather in a couple of years back. Um, and you know, he came out to see us. So that's where I kind of like formally met him. And then we had some conversations on the phone and he asked if I wanted to apply to be on his artist roster, if I had any original music. So out of all the songs I had written, there weren't too many, but, uh, we selected my song safe as we can, which actually was an accidental song because I had, the guitar tuned incorrectly for what I was trying to do. And then I really liked the riff and this song came out of it. And I was like, Oh, and the lyrics are kind of about like me pushing past fear and understanding and recognizing moments in which I'm playing it too safe or limiting myself. Um, and so the focus group that he showed, I submitted three tracks. They, they said like, we like this one the best. So I got to work recording it, um, spent about a month and a half, uh, was really cool is that every noise on that track was created by me or an instrument I was holding. Um, we even did a really cool artificial, like wah situation, like a wah pedal where, um, I held the speaker up to my mouth and like did the thing that you do in like middle school to like make your, uh, speaker like just go in and out. Yeah. And sure. we, we, we re-recorded that back into the song and it has this really, I don't know. It gave it this quality that to me, it makes it feel like it sound like Oasis or something where mm-hmm. I was like, I couldn't even believe this was my song. And I guess, you know, we submitted it uh, to the 2019, 2020 Grammy awards in 2019. And yeah, out of like 33,000 songs, it like actually made the ballot. And he gave me a call and was telling me like you're competing against Paul McCartney, Blink-182, like the raconteurs. I was just like, "What? Are you kidding me? This is unbelievable." I had to I had to go outside and like take a lap around my house and just like I was just I felt like I was had just been in a fight, like my adrenaline was high and I was like I kind of was like that was my moment where is this going to is this going to change my life? Like, is this the moment where everything changes? And, you know, I didn't end up going to LA, nothing insane happened, but what did happen was a switch flipped in my mind of like, okay, exactly. now, now literally every time I announce myself at a show, anytime someone's booking me online, any website or anything I do, I can just put that. And if someone asks, I tell them the story. It's not like I'm Paul McCartney, but 
that did happen. And so for my confidence to realize that I could create a work of art that would resonate that deeply to be in like on par with someone of that caliber, I realized like, yeah, this is what I'm going to be doing regardless of anyone's Facebook comments. That's right. And no <laughs> one can take totally, and no one can take that away from you, which is the beautiful thing. And you know, it's like a kid who is an athlete that, you know, they're on a team, a college basketball team, and, and they have that moment where they're, you know, they, they win some mid-major small conference championship and they're sitting there and they get, you know, they're in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they may go get crushed by Duke, whatever, who cares? You know, you're, there's such a small select group of people that get to play in the major leagues in music, even for a split second. It's so rare. So many people have the idea and people don't realize the difficult process to go from a concept of even as basic as I want to make music to never mind a song and yeah. to think that and realize it in a studio setting in a way that is digestible or, or good or, or, or accessible to anybody else. That process in and of itself is a feat of human magic. So for that to then resonate at that in the major league level, you know, the top level of music, um, it just speaks about your, what you have to offer your potential and, and your, your confidence level and that, yeah, you're on the right path. That's the type of validation that so few people get. And the fact that you got it is just so, uh, it speaks highly of, of the work that you're able to churn out from, from your subconscious. Thanks, man. That's, that's a really cool way of phrasing it. Just understanding the, I had a woman tell me once, um, I was at a retreat at a Buddhist monastery and she said to me, there's an ocean of wealth in your emotions. Hmm. And shortly after that is when this whole thing happened. So it kind of like the metaphor resonated with me deeply understanding how we can take what's inside, turn it inside out, show it to people and have them really react positively and inspire transformations, whether it's for yourself, just to, like you said, say that I did that. No one can take that away from me to go forward with like a little bit, a little bit less fear, still fear. It's never going to go away, but just a little bit less. Cause you're like, all right, I did that. That's right. Yeah. It, and it is just a little bit less. That's so true as well. Like no matter what validation you get, there's still a, you know, it, it doesn't change your life that much. You know, for me, it was doing podcasting um, the most recent thing, new thing I've gotten into. I remember when I got the call up to, or call, I don't know if call up is the right word. At that time, it certainly was, uh, to WPRO to fill in for Dan York on statewide radio. And it was mm. like, oh, I must not suck that much to, yeah, to, yeah. Now you're to get called <laughs> up to, yeah, talk to 80,000 people on WPRO this afternoon. You know, that's, that, that validates. I, I still slept the same. I still have the same anxieties, issues, et cetera, et cetera. But it does give you a little bit of a boost to go, okay, I'm on the right track here. It's not a waste of time, generally speaking. Um, I want to touch on the last couple of minutes, permission to create. And it's, it's coming out soon. There's an Indiegogo campaign. And I think it's Indiegogo. There's some, some kind of campaign behind it. And um, just talk about the book, where the idea came from, and where people can get more info on it. Awesome. Um, so this crazy story, it all starts with a crazy story, right? Yeah. And that's what this book is. Permission to Create is a book of stories and they're real, true stories 
from my direct experiences in life, uh, a lot of different themes. And what I've done is tied those themes of the stories into uh, each chapter being a particular song. So you'll open the book and there's an introduction and then you'll see the lyrics to the first song I ever wrote. And then I tell a story that kind of relates to the theme of, of that song. And I didn't have all these themes worked out, but my editor for my book, Regina, shout out, she really helped me to understand how there was a clear message of mindfulness and love and community and compassion. Um, obviously recognized that those themes in my life were coming out in my music, but I also was very intentional about making sure that the book is arranged in a way so that when you read from start to finish, you see the evolution of me and my journey as a songwriter coming from just picking up the guitar, being able to play four chords and writing my first song. And which coincidentally is called walk out the door. And it's kind of like chapter one. And then there's, it goes all the way through. Actually, there's 28 songs in the book. One for just happens to be one for each year of my life. Uh, but the way that this all came about is I saw a Facebook post one day from my friend who was putting a book out and I looked into it and he connected me with the creator Institute. Uh, and they're in partnership with Georgetown University. So I've been part of a cohort of, I'm not sure how many authors are publishing from the cohort, but I believe there are about 200 authors in our cohort. So people from um, all over the place. And we're all been, we've all been uh, in group classes each week. We've all had group speaker sessions where the CEO of Netflix spoke to us. Um, we had like some really big, uh, successful, inspiring individuals come and talk to our class uh, about different fields of expertise. And then we've had workshops. So in partnership with this program, uh, the, the publishing company is called New Degree Press. And the book is coming out this August. We just finished, um, I was supposed to have a 30-day Indiegogo campaign, but we extended it to 60 days because the demand was really high. And thank you to everybody who helped me crush uh, the $5,000 goal. We ended up with about 6,500 in funding. Um, so New Degree Press is a hybrid publisher where the authors retain all of the rights to their book. Uh, but in exchange, uh, the author has to kind of gear up their community um, for the pre-sale, which is exactly what I did. And uh, now everybody who has supported that process will be getting early access to read my introduction, which I'll be sharing this week um, online and to my private community and then to the general public a week later. They're going to help me pick my book cover design. Um, a rainbow zebra is one of the potential book covers. I just want to say that. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Um, so stay tuned. There's There's more to it, but I think the really big game changer is um, that this book is going to have QR codes in it. So while you're reading through my book, you're going to be like, oh, it's chapter 10 and it's Nate's song called One Day. Let me just scan this with my phone and then the song will play on your phone from a list on my website. 
That's awesome. So it's kind of like, it's kind of interactive. It's a way to put the music back in, in a way that where you used to have a vinyl that you would put on, on the record player and then you have all the cool stuff to check out while you're listening to it. Absolutely awesome. Yeah, you're, you're doing some amazing stuff and like, I'm real proud of you. And like I said, we, we, we started playing together we, 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 I think we only did like three, maybe three or four shows, our bands back in, back in the day. But, you know, I'm just watching you as a, as a solo artist and a broad artist grow is so exciting. Um, and you're someone that Rhode Island as a whole should be excited about. And I hope people check out your work. Just Google. Um, th- that's how, I mean, you could, you could go to pretty much any social media platform and, and just just search and and you have a website as well. What's the website? I, Cause I had it pulled up and I just closed it a moment ago. <laughs> it's uh, natejones.world is my website. Oh, world bingo. I knew there was something more, more to it. That's awesome too. So Nate Jones, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much. And uh, let's catch up soon. Yeah, absolutely, man. Rhode Island's podcast of record B town.